From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, August 29th. Floods, fires, public health emergencies. These are the very real hazards that have hit Grand County in recent years. The Pat Creek fire, Cinema Court fire, Mm -hmm. the floodings in August of last year. And just on the anniversary of that flood, a bit smaller, but another flash flood event. That's Grand County Emergency Management Director Cora Phillips. Fires, floods, pandemics, these are just a few of the hazards that local officials are planning for. They're updating the 2023 Hazard Mitigation Plan, identifying all the natural and man-made hazards that could potentially occur here. Even things like prolonged power outages and cybersecurity incidents. And while having an emergency management plan might be a requirement under FEMA, Phillips says they're trying to do more than what's simply necessary. She says the multi-agency team drafting this plan doesn't want to miss any projects or opportunities to mitigate the hazards that we see in our area, whether that's discussing the stormwater drainage or hazards that we might not be aware of. If you don't have everyone at the table, you're going to miss things. That's why Phillips is encouraging folks to take an online survey to make the hazard mitigation plan better. The survey asks basic preparedness questions, but also asks for information about potential hazards at homes and businesses. Phillips says the team is trying to capture as much knowledge as possible. For me personally, it's important. I see what can happen when individuals are left behind in the Mm -hmm. planning process and those that are disproportionately impacted by disaster are not included in the planning process. Mm -hmm. It's quite tragic. And for me, it's really important to ensure that those people have the information, the information is accessible and they can participate in the plan. So their experiences, what happens during a disaster, we need to be responsible for mitigating that. Phillips calls Grand County's hazard mitigation plan a living document. So even after it gets FEMA's approval, She wants to keep that line of communication open with the public. That's because hazards can change with the environment, with technology, or even an increase to the population. So it's a living document that we continue to review after major incidents. We're reviewing that document Mm -hmm. where if a new project is identified, we include that in the hazard mitigation plan. It's not something that is meant to sit on the shelf and collect dust. For more info, find Grand County's Hazard Mitigation Plan page at grandcountyutah.net. Members of the Navajo Nation in northern New Mexico are dealing with the fallout from a uranium spill that happened more than four decades ago. The Church Rock uranium spill is still the largest release of radioactive material in U.S. history. Earlier this summer, Navajo families who live near the site of the disaster walked to commemorate the 44th anniversary. As Chris Clements with our partners at KSJD reports, the community used the event to call for more cleanup of the debris left over from years of uranium mining. It's quiet as the walk down Redwater Pond Road begins, except for the sound of footsteps crunching in the pale yellow dirt. Seams of yellowish-brown rock ring the canyons and hillsides around us. Some people carry banners and signs that say things like no mining on sacred land and keep uranium in the ground. My husband, they, 
he lost um, sisters, brothers, to cancer. That's Lorinda Dennison, one of the people out walking this morning. And my husband's right there, carrying the banner. I'm just helping support the family. Dennison says some of her family live on Pipeline Road, another community close to the tailings pond where the Church Rock uranium spill first occurred. On July 16, 1979, a dam wall that had been holding back millions of gallons of radioactive water and debris from United Nuclear Corporation mines broke, releasing the material into the Puerco River. The contaminants traveled downriver to Navajo County, Arizona, and onto the Navajo Nation, seeping into groundwater and killing livestock and crops. In 2015, a Navajo researcher testing wells along the Puerco River measured uranium levels that were 43 parts per billion, well above the EPA's maximum contaminant level threshold of 30 parts per billion. Decades after the initial spill, community members, federal officials, and supporters are out walking in the early morning heat to the site of the original dam breach in remembrance of the disaster. After a while, a resident of Redwater Pond Road named Larry King halts the procession and gestures to a nearby hill. It's not a, it's not a natural hill. It's all the waste that was dug up around about uh, maybe six or seven homes uh, because it, uh, they found out the, the homes were contaminated. King says that since 1967, the uranium mining companies UNC and the Quivira Mining Corporation have operated mines and mill sites throughout his community. UNC did a bad, uh, bad job, terrible job on doing the reclamation when the mine shut down. So that's why there's a lot of waste that's left behind by the mill, uh, by the UNC. Brandon Nicholson is a remedial project manager for the EPA. They're working on cleaning up waste from the Quivira mine site. Nicholson says that the agency believes the best plan for removing the mine waste is to truck it to a neighboring landfill. And one of them right now, I think to be our recommended alternative is to move that to the Red Rock uh, landfill facility in Thoreau, uh, about 40 miles down the road. So we're kind of just starting the community engagement with that, and uh, we'll be discussing that more in the future. According to Nicholson, removing the waste and transporting it to the Red Rock facility will take about three to five years. The landfill isn't located on trust land and would be permitted by the state of New Mexico, but some in the community say that they want the waste to be trucked farther from the Navajo Nation than where the EPA is currently proposing. Soon, the crowd continues walking. King says he's frustrated with the current pace of the Church Rock mining area cleanup. After 44 years after the, uh, the tailing spill, and we're not any closer to any remediation. Um, we still bring up the, uh, the issue on doing some comprehensive health study along the Perco Wash. King was working in the Church Rock mining area as an underground surveyor for UNC on that summer day in 1979 when the dam broke. At the time, uh, this was a big moneymaker, where a lot of jobs were coming from here. But the thing, too, is um, we weren't uh, given any uh, a warning about uh, what, the, uh, what kind of uh, health, how it could affect you health-wise if you're exposed to uh, 
uranium. It's well known that uranium mining on the Navajo Nation has resulted in lasting health problems for miners and those living downwind of contamination. Eventually, prolonged exposure to uranium waste can lead to radiation-based cancers and kidney disease. The road the crowd is walking on eventually winds its way along the edge of a wide-open floodplain. A few colorful tents along the side of the highway mark the end of the walk. Underneath one of them, King addresses the gathering through a portable speaker. South. You can see that little uh, black mound of dirt, it seemed like that's, that's about where the dam breached. So that whole place was had, contained three cells, and the mail site itself was on the opposite side of the road. King says he's long been worried that the scale of the cleanup conducted uh, since the dam breach hasn't been sufficient. Uh, we've, uh, since then, we've been uh, advocating for a comprehensive health studies for community members all along the Perco Wash. Uh, all the way into Arizona. Nothing hasn't been done. The EPA will hold a public comment period on their proposed Quivira mine cleanup plan this fall. I'm Chris Clements. That story was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, including KZMU. Utah Governor Spencer Cox wants people to learn to disagree. As the elected chair of the National Governors Association, he is leading a campaign called Disagree Better. As Alex Gonzalez with our partners at the Public News Service reports, it's an initiative designed to, quote, help Americans bridge the partisan divide and adopt more positive approaches to politics and social discourse. Last week, a day after the first Republican presidential debate, Cox took to X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, and shared a video where he said he has found listening to understand as opposed to listening to debate is a powerful tool. Healthy disagreement is is about um, is about staying true to who we are, to the principles that we believe in, but also not attacking the person who disagrees with us. Cox acknowledges that the United States is deeply divided and a majority of Americans are tired of the division and hyperpartisanship. According to the Pew Research Center, partisanship continues to be the dividing line in the American public's political attitudes, far surpassing other markers such as age, race, and ethnicity. I'm Alex Gonzalez reporting. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, August 29th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.